Welcome to Lemmy Works, brought to you by Leadership Education Mentoring Institute. We are inspiring parents, mentors, and communities as they embark on the journey of transformational project-based education. Hi, this is Tatiana Fallon. Hi, this is Heidi Christensen. We're so excited to be your hosts. Hi, I'm Tatiana Fallon. And I'm Heidi Christensen. And today on the podcast, we have an amazing leadership education superstar with us, Kathy Malore. Kathy, will you take just a second and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you where you're from, a little bit about your history, what brought you to leadership education? Sure. I'd be happy to. I split my time between San Diego and Utah. I've been homeschooling since before it was cool. Um, I started when my youngest was in kindergarten. I mean, my oldest was in kindergarten and that was 30, no, 26 years ago. So long, long time. And I have six kids. I have my own business. It's called Unleashing Your Voice, where I do personal mentoring and, and seminars and community and that sort of thing. So I found leadership education because I happened to be at a homeschooling conference and Oliver DeMille was speaking about leadership education under the guise of a, of a religious topic. Um, TJ Ed hadn't become a thing yet, but what he said resonated so much with me and made me realize that the, you know, 20 years, no more than that, many, many years of school, college and graduate school had, um, you know, fundamentally been wasted um, because I, I hadn't learned how to think. Wow. So was that in California that you went to that? Um... No, I was actually visiting Utah at the time. Okay. So you were at the very beginning, like, of the, the leadership education movement, really? Yes. Yes. It wasn't even called that yet, you know. <laughs> so what brought you to, to Lemmy then? Well, that's kind of a funny story. I was friends with this woman who had a daughter the same age as one of my children, and she had heard of it from some friends. And um, there was going to be the first ever, you know, like training in a place where you go and, you know, take the project training over three days. And, um, and she says to me, Hey, there's this thing. And I heard it's great. And they're having a training, you know, would you come with me as an assistant mentor? And you don't have to actually do anything. Just come with me because I don't want to drive from San Diego alone. And I'm like, road trip with a girlfriend. Sure. I mean, I, I literally knew nothing about it. And actually I'm just going to call her out right now, but Tati was my trainer and she was 16 years old. And that was a transformational experience as I sat there at your feet, learning things about the founding of America and the constitution that I didn't know were even a thing. So that was a pretty incredible experience. And I, I, I think I've missed one year either going to training as a mentor or being a trainer in 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 the interim wow so you you taught then did you go teach cave liberty as your first project i actually just sort of showed up at her she did the class in her home and i showed up every once in a while and helped with a few things here and there i was i was pregnant and at that time i thought that excused me you know i since you know had many um many 
mentoring while pregnant, while nursing a baby experiences after that. But anyway, she never expected me to help. And so I just helped now and again. What was the first project that you actually oh, did it mentor? Was, sorry, it was Key of Liberty. It was just a year later. A year later. Oh, wasn't awesome. it? Yeah. Yeah. Did you did you actually have one of your kids in the class with you? Yes. I yeah. almost had one of my kids in my class. Not not every year, but almost every year. Yeah. What what made you really want to use this? I mean, how how did you um, come to the decision to really jump full force into leadership education? Because I know, I mean, you are, you have oh, been forever. I am a big, big, big fan. I I think it was because of the frustration I felt at the kind of educational experience I'd had. You know, I wanted a scholar phase for myself. I wanted to live mission and, you know, just didn't know how. I I mean, I'd done the corporate thing, you know, working in the cubicle, as I like to say, I escaped the cubicle. Um, I was a financial analyst for a Fortune 500 company and it was so meaningless, you know. Um, I called it golden handcuffs because they, you know, kept you there with the money and the benefits and stuff like that. But it was meaningless work. And, you know, if it weren't for the people, you'd, you know, poke your eye out with a pencil or something. But um, anyway, so I, I just, it resonated with me that, that education is not for finding a job. Education is, is for learning how to think and how to serve humanity. And that just, you know, that deeply, deeply resonated with me. Would you say that you have a favorite um, principle of leadership education that, or just a, a principle of leadership education that really changed or impacted you? One principle, that's a tough one. Um, I would, I would have to go to the very fundamental concept that education isn't something that happens to you. It's something that you choose to do and you, you know, put in the hard work and you read stuff that's no fun to read and you do the things that, that make you grow as a person and actually even understand your own humanity. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, it really sounds like leadership education was an education for you, not just for your kids. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's best done, I think, as, as a family affair, you know, um, because it trickles down the attitudes, even the language you use in your home. Um, you know, I don't know how many times my kids have heard me t say two things. One of them is it's your education, you know, usually followed by the, what do you want to do next kind of a thing. Right. And the other one is life was never meant to be fair which I'm not sure has anything to do with leadership education, but those are the two things that my children certainly heard, um, you know, it was in the air, right? In the air in our home. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I quote you all the time about is how leadership education fixes two generations at once. I believe it does. Yeah, and it, you know, now that I'm a grandmother, probably you know, sets up the next generation for, you know, having some hope, right? 
So as you were talking, I kind of had an epiphany. I just wanted to share because I I love listening to people because I, I feel like I think a lot deeper. But you said, come to grips with your humanity. I think you said something like that. Um, and like one of the things like, why do I love leadership education so much? And I crave, I find myself craving like deep discussions. And I, I love listening to podcasts that make me think and engage. And I think it's because... I think as a deep soul or I really want to understand the the who I am and 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 this relation to this whole, whole world and as we engage I think in the classics and we engage in mentoring and giving back we do start to see this bigger picture of humanity like you get outside of your little bubble you know I'm teaching I'm mentoring Shakespeare right now and it's 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 the first time I've mentored a live class in a long time because I was doing the whole little babies thing <laughs> and um I didn't have any and old enough to do any of the projects and um and now I I have older kids but I'm sitting here thinking how transformational it is for me right now these kids are teaching me we're reading merchant of venice right which is like a to one of my favorite plays for many reasons but it we had the discussion on what is mercy and, and do you need it and the kids just blew me out of the water about how much they need mercy in their lives and it was so huge and healing for me after a year of COVID and so many stressful horrible things happening to be in a community and to be with a classic and to be mentoring and changing because of these kids. So I want to ask you a question. Do you have an experience either of mentoring or with a classic that you feel like was just transformational for you? For me personally, um, gosh, so many, it's hard to, to bring it down to one. Um, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go to like, what I'm going to call my very first epiphany in a colloquium. So there was a bunch of us moms, you know, we'd all like gotten introduced to leadership education and, and we were trying to, you know, do the thing. And we, there was no, there was no anything back then, you know, um, there was no let me training to go to, let me put it that way. And, and uh, we had read um, A Tale of Two Cities. And one of the questions was something along the lines was, well, was Sidney Carton a, a savior archetype, a Christ archetype? And everybody was just like, no, that's disgusting. I mean, he was a drunk, you know, and everybody's like chattering. And I'm like rising like a phoenix out of the dust. And I'm just like, yes, he was. Because after all he could do, Sydney was the only one who could save him. What's the name? What's the name of the guy? Um, you know who I'm talking about, right? The guy who who's about to die. Yeah, no, I remember him. that. Yeah, and he's and he's gonna he saves him. He steps in and saves him. Yeah, gives his life. Yeah, yeah. So just because you know, just because he was a drunk, like at first we couldn't see it, right? You know, like he's living this slovenly, meaningless life, loving some other man's wife. You know, I mean, like there's no affair in that book, but you knew he was in love with her. And Lucy Manet is her name. I just remembered that. But anyway, and I just remember that feeling of like connecting the dots and going, yes, he was. And ah, that means anybody can be. 
right? Anybody can can rise out of their situation and make a tremendous difference in somebody's life. Even the, even if they're like, that's the thing I, I, I remember distinctly when you said Tell of Two Cities. I remember the first time I read that book. I think I was probably 15 years old and my aunt had asked me to read it with her. And so we were having a discussion, just me and my aunt. And I remember when I read that last chapter and I just bawled and I yeah. cried so hard. And I was like, why am I crying? This is, <laughs> you know, and I think it's really because what it talked like that, that huge, the way that Dickens just shows us, doesn't tell us, shows us what really it means to love somebody, even if you are broken and don't have a lot going for you. Like, I I just that's why I love the classics but I think they're more powerful when you do have a discussion with others right do you think you would have come to that conclusion on your own you know who knows I mean it's it's certainly um, my pattern now I love redemption stories I love looking for the you know the 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 character who or if it's a you know if it's a biography the person who who sacrifices and and makes the world a better place. I mean, I love that. So I look for it now, but who knows, you know, when I would have figured that out. I don't know. I mean, it's impossible to say. But the discussion was the environment, so you're right. So have you ever had a um a book discussion with kids where you've seen that like light bulb go off in them, you know, that transformational experience yeah I mean I think that that's you know the power of of colloquium because you have the perfect environment for them to to sort of you know stew in the work and get epiphanies from each other um I'm trying to think of a specific example of that you know discussions about books in quest three um the 5,000 year leap and the, the seven habits of highly effective people. Those are always really, really great discussions and simulation. I'm sorry. I know this isn't the question you asked me, but simulation and the debrief after a simulation, you do just see the light bulbs come on and the connections being made and, and people like literally changing, you know, changing their view on something. It's, it's just pretty tremendous. Okay, that brings us to our next question. What is your favorite project to teach? Yeah, anybody who's known me for five minutes knows that uh, Quest 3, I mean, Quest, the whole Quest project, 1, 2, and 3 are all fabulous. But Quest 3 is my absolute favorite because maybe because so much growth happened, you know, in me and in my children when when we did it, but also because the content is so vital. If you send kids out into the world without understanding worldviews, without being able to identify worldviews. Um, you are, yeah, you're sending them out unarmed in into a battle that they are not necessarily going to fare well. And then it also has built into it some really crucible experiences, one of them being a Supreme Court simulation that there is no substitute for that. You could read about the Supreme Court until the day you die and not grow as much as you will grow in one Supreme Court simulation. And then there's another simulation that I encourage mentors to do where the kids are running for, 
for president with a um, with a worldview assigned to them. And one time I was doing that simulation and a kid who, you know, kind of struggled academically, kind of had some self-esteem issues. He worked his little tail end off to prepare for that. And, um, you know, when he won the presidency, it was unbelievable what it did for his confidence. And, um, and I actually had him help me teach an adult class on worldviews after, after his experience in quest three. So why do you think uh, quest three is obviously one of the last projects. I mean, we have Edison, which can be continuation after that, but why do you think that so few uh, families are able to get through to quest three? Well, the why is because it's a journey, right? I mean, I have had over the years students who are, you know, 16 years old and they've just, you know, kind of plopped in there because that was the only place for them. Um, I have had that experience and, you know, and there's still growth there, but really you have to do that. You know, you as a parent, you as a mentor have to do the preparatory work of getting them to own their own education, to go through practice scholar phase and learn initiative, to go, you know, to go into this sort of apprentice scholar world of submitting to a mentor and um, and doing a lot of hard work. It takes it takes a sustained effort, which, you know, with with so many options available in the homeschool world, it's hard for people not to be drawn away um, by by different you know, charter schools and options. And I mean, there's just so many options that it's hard for them, you know, to see it through to the end. But I mean, a little piece of my heart breaks every time I, you know, see see one that doesn't go through to Quest 3. <laughs> yeah, my, my four older boys all went through uh, Quest all the way through. And, you know, from Key of Liberty, through quest um three and with my fourth son he's he's like seven and a half years younger than his next uh sibling and i was like talking to them okay what what advice do you have for him what, to me you know as you know what what should, what should i what should i do for him what was really important and they were like you can't do anything ex until he gets through quest three he has to get through quest three I mean, because all of them have recognized how transformational Quest was um, because, I mean, they go, my oldest son is in management and he uses everything that he learned in Quest on a daily basis. Yeah, that diplomacy, the um, inspiring greatness in others, um, you know, all of that. And, um, but all of them have used it to get jobs you know, that all of the, uh, the debating skills, the presentation skills, all of that. It's, I, it, I just thought that was really um, fun to see that. The rest of their lives. I mean, there, there's, there's no doubt about it. And, and you can't like, you know, discount the fact that they learned to first stand up in front of an audience in Shakespeare. You know, you can't discount the other things that were happening in their development as they go along the, the continuum but man, you're so right that it just is, you know, it's, it's a, it's a fantastic growth 
experienced. Having gone through it, I think for me, like the that first time you have to present your Supreme Court brief in front of like real lawyers or real community leaders, like it, you know, and you're like a 15 year old kid, it it really does scare, scare, scare you at a level that you're so scared and then you push through it. Nothing else is scary. You know, like I've spoken in front of, you know, House of Representatives and Senate committees and not been as scared as I was at 15 talking to, you know, this, you know, community lawyer, right? And getting grilled on this ridiculous brief that was totally not up to par with any legal thing, but was, you know, and, and just like, you can't, I guess, emphasize how powerful it is formational to have an experience at 15 and 16 that really does set you up to uh, success in life because you've already done that. You've already done that in a safe place and had to experience that fear and that failure. And you've felt, oh, it's actually not as scary or not as much as on the line as like, oh, now I'm talking to a senator or I'm talking to a representative or, you know, I'm talking to my boss at work or, you know, these people with big names. Like it really helps you establish that firm sense of self so that you're not as scared. And in my opinion, like I would say that fear was, was stronger than other fears. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I believe it. I know that all of those experiences in Quest are like hooks that people can, you know, these kids can hold on to and pull themselves up to do whatever they um, need to do in their lives. So I love that. Um, have you ever had an experience where you saw a child grow more than you thought was possible in any of these projects? Yeah, actually, um, there was a kid who was, you know, in a, in a difficult life situation in that his, his mom was trying to, you know, she was a single mom trying to raise him, which, you know, all the power in the world to the, to those amazing women who do that, but she was going back to school to be able to support them. And, so I think she was a friend of somebody in the community. And so we kind of took him in, um, you know, normally the, the parent, you know, there's a parent who is participating. Right. Um, but we just, you know, took him in as a quote, drop off unquote, you know, and he had learning disabilities and mental health challenges. And he was about 16 when he came to us from public school. So not exactly, you know, your typical homeschool family, not exactly, you know, your typical experience in a Lemmy Commonwealth. So anyway, he was in my pyramid project class and everything was a struggle for him. I mean, academically it was a struggle, but also just emotionally he had severe anxiety. And you know what I'm saying? Like there was a lot of struggle going on in this kid. And I have to give, you know, a hundred percent of the credit to my co-mentor because she was, you know, she was friends with his mom and she was the, you know, she took him under her wing and gave him very individualized mentoring, even very individualized, um, you know, support so that he could be successful. So what, what really amazed me about this kid, you know, every success was a success. You know what I mean? Like every assignment done, every presentation given was just huge. Well, I was teaching a, um, 
an unleashing your voice public speaking class is like an elective after school and for whatever reason he took it and he almost never got up like i you know i make a voluntary nobody has to give speeches i believe in the do no harm um but he attended and and was you know a contributor to the class but just very rarely actually stood up and did any of the assignments that i gave or whatever well a couple of the mentors in the other projects had sort of thrown up their hands at lunch that day and said, you know, the kids aren't reading the books. They're not, you know, they're not pulling, you know, pulling their weight and, and they were very frustrated. And so I talked those mentors off the cliff, off the ledge, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and had that conversation during lunch. And then I went into my, into my class um, to teach public speaking. And I thought, no, I'm going to do a simulation. So just like literally on the fly, I said, um, I have to talk to you guys today. Uh, the board, you know, our school's um, board has, executive board has asked me to talk to you about how, about the possibility of closing down our common law school. And you're gonna be given an opportunity to stand up and tell us why you think that should or shouldn't happen you know, what your opinions are, and I'll be taking notes and reporting uh, back to the executive committee on whether or not this, you know, the school should even continue. Wait, so just clarify, this is just deadpan, like, you're not saying the simulation, this is just deadpan. Oh, I, I, I break all the rules, you know me, so I didn't tell them it was a simulation. Anyway, um, so, you know, there were several touching and you know, profound and, you know, people got up and, and said some nice things and, you know, tried to convince me to convince them not to do it, you know, which was <laughs> sort of uh, inspiring that they felt that strongly, but it's when he got up that I thought I will never be the same. You know, I will never look at a student the same after he got up because like I said, he had so many struggles and he got up and he said, you cannot close this school because I've learned more here in the last two years than I learned in all the years I went to public school. And, and this is the only place where I have, I'm going to cry. I have ever felt like my teachers cared about me. And I mean, if I, I wish I had, I wish I had a video camera on this. You know what I mean? It was so touching that this kid who had struggled through every single thing um, had had such a strong feeling about the experience that he'd had. Yeah, there really is a huge difference between teaching and mentoring. Yeah, I mean, we have the, you know, advantage in most situations, we have the advantage of, you know, small classrooms. Um, I love the fact that I know this kid's mother, you know what I mean? I'm usually friends with their parents, you know what I mean? So like that sort of tribal um, environment that we create in the Lemmy community is, is irreplaceable for the mentoring to be super effective. Yeah, that whole community, Lemmy is not just classes, not just projects. It's 
community. It's building community. We're interrupting this broadcast to remind you to share and subscribe. Also, be sure and check out our website at lemmymentortraining.com. Sure. I, I really love that you share that story because I feel like having mentored Lemmy projects and then also having been through some of the Lemmy projects, obviously not all of them, have an interesting perspective because sometimes I can see that frustration that the mentors have. You're talking about like no one's doing the work, this doesn't work, the kids aren't doing their papers, like half my kids, you know, haven't done anything. Like I get that frustration, but I also remember being 12 and I, I remember, I don't remember anything my teacher taught me, but I know without a doubt in my mind that she believed in me and she loved me. And it like still to this day, when I think of her in my mind, I get teary-eyed because, you know, there's a 12-year-old kid, can't read, barely can write, and, you know, super shy, doesn't want to talk. And here's someone comes along and just sees you as you, not like any of your disabilities or any of your other things just you know here's Tati the sweet little 12 year old doesn't say anything and just loves you right and and it's 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 so powerful I feel like it's a scary walk though and I think that's why a lot of people say oh this doesn't work because can love really inspire a child to change and it takes a lot of faith in the mentor to believe like no I believe that if I create this environment and I I create this you know place of choice that I can love you and you will choose it or you won't and I'll still love you right yeah and it's okay that is so missing in you know most forms of education that choosing out you know choosing to fail like however you want to whatever euphemism you want to get get give it um that that really is is just not allowed I know it wasn't in my experience you know and I went to good schools, but no teacher ever said, you know what, your value is not in the score you get on my final exam. You can, you can choose to not even take this final exam and you will still be a fabulous human being. I mean, it's just no way are they going to say that, right? So we have, we have a tremendous opportunity to change lives. I mean, they... The, these students that come to us, you know, whether they're our own children or, or they're, you know, members of, of our, of our homeschool community, um, we have a tremendous opportunity to really impact their trajectory and, um, and help them overcome the roadblocks that they, you know, have in their life. Cause we all have them. Yeah. I love that. So then what advice would you give to, um, uh a parent who is struggling to see the vision or maybe just in, about to embark on this path, if you have any advice for them? Well, there's nothing more important than vision. Um, so hopefully, you know, you guys producing this, this um, podcast will allow them to continue to, to see the vision. But as far as practical advice, this is going to sound super stupid, but what I would, what I would say is uh, to be sure you create a sustainable life so that you have the bandwidth 
to do what's required to be a great mentor. You know, we, especially women, tend to spread ourselves very, very thinly and um, take on too much and and maybe ignore our own personal development and our self-care and, and all that. Um, so that would be my advice is to, is to create a life that's sustainable, that you are not, you know, burning the candle at both ends because we do see, we do see mentor burnout and, um, some preparation, you know, some careful planning, some putting systems in place, getting your own mentors so that you can be successful and, and feel as though the, the efforts are worthwhile and sustainable. Yeah. That's, that's the advice I would give. I know when new homeschoolers come to me and just ask me questions about homeschooling in general, one of the things I tell them is to find a community because that community I've seen so many homeschool parents who burn out after, you know, first semester, <laughs> you know, if not the first year, um, but just because they don't have the support for them, for the parents. Absolutely. How have you seen your homeschool communities, your, you know, Lemmy leadership education communities support the parents? Um, I've been involved with three communities, you know, you know, like me and my family. And then, you know, through my work, I visited dozens more. Um, so I've seen a lot of incredible things come from community and sort of, you know, narrow it down to, to just one thing is, is really hard. But I think that what makes a community successful is or one of the things it's hard to ever just say the thing, right? Um, one of the things is is parent education. The, the parents have to be growing in order to bring along the kids. But so much in our society, as well as in the homeschooling kind of broader mindset, people are focusing all on, on what the kids need. And I'm not saying this is not a dichotomy here you have to focus on what your kids need but you also have to focus on on your own development you know are you are you doing the things that will help you to grow as a as a as a mentor and as a human being and and so the communities that provide that sort of a thing um we you know we of course have projects for that one of them is library community series and the other is the family foundations project and the Family Foundation's um, uh, online lessons. So, you know, we, we can support you from Lemmy um, and, and train your mentors to be mentors for the adults in your community. But having something, even if it's, you know, just a, a book discussion or having guest speakers, you know, like just making the 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 time and the effort to get the adults together either during this the school day when you meet or on an evening at another time is is really really valuable okay so i just have a follow-up question to that um do you feel like there's a certain skill sets that have you've had to grow in as a leader in a community like 
things you didn't realize you needed to learn and had to do as you've stepped up and served in different leadership roles in Commonwealth? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I've mentored a lot of leaders of Commonwealth schools too. So I'm like, your question was a skill set that has that you have to grow. Um, one is is to make sure you a have a vision, right? That or that your community has a vision and that it's a shared vision. Um, and so the skill that goes along with that is being able to cast it right to cast that vision. So that is super important. And you can be a great administrative leader and we certainly need those administrative people um you know who are good at that kind of thing but without the vision casting you know the continual vision casting because people get tired and um without that skill set you're you're definitely um you know going to be kind of walking uphill so that would be one for sure the other would be to um learn how to make decisions based on principles and that vision. So if you are, you know, you have an issue come up in, in your community and they will, issues will come up in your community because you're dealing with people. Um, if you can separate your yourself emotionally from the situation, if you can um, look for the principle involved in it, then you're going to have, you know, just a much more successful outcome dealing with dealing with problems. I like that advice. That's great advice. Yeah, I do too. I know that I actually had to use that that exact thing, finding the principle when my community had to deal with something that was like tearing us apart. And uh, we went to the principal. We had to step back from the emotions. And through that experience, we were able to get, figure it all out. And it was something that was literally like, oh my gosh, how are we going to do this? I mean, yeah. we were to the point where it was because two different groups were, you know, at each other's throats basically. And, you know, how are we going to solve this? Mm -hmm. And, um, it all it all worked out by standing on principle. Oh, I love that. Okay, so then this is and maybe we don't have to answer this, but like, how do you see the principle? Okay, because I'm just thinking about like, we're I'm starting a new Commonwealth here in Kentucky. We're, we're all you know, we're in, we're pioneers out here. There's nothing out here. And um, when I originally started going about trying to do this, I was like, oh my my kid oldest is nine. I'll work on casting vision. And then it was like, like it just happened. Like it, the, the, the commo started and I was like, whoa, wait, I, I'm not really ready for this. And it wasn't really thinking I needed this. And now we're doing this. And now I'm like, okay. So then as issues come up, cause they do, it's like, how do you like, okay, where's this mess of human emotions, everything? How do I find that principle? Like, do you have some decades of experience? Be like, oh, here, this is how you navigate that and find what's really the problem. It's like, leave, leave it to Tati to ask us a question that's impossible to answer. Um, I think I think it's probably, I mean, I'm just answering off the top of my head here. There's no teleprompter. Um, I think it is probably uh, peeling back the layers and looking for, you know, what, there's, there's always a struggle, right? People disagree about something. 
And so if you if you peel back the, you know, the the sort of mania that that kind of surrounds these problems and and look at what the issue actually is, is it family autonomy? Is it, you know, the, you know, lack of of I don't know, Christian charity or or whatever, you know, like and just sort of peel back, you, you usually can can identify the root of it by yeah peeling back those layers i don't know so i think that's a huge step but do you think that has to happen and just being able to have a group of of leaders you know your board that can just talk and not just talk it out like be open to just like okay let's just talk about the situation and throw back here and not judge the situation but just hash it out how, how do you do you peel back those layers on your own or do you think you peel back those layers as a group well, you know, of course, there's there's different. Um, I'm going to just call them power structures within a group of people, right? And so, first of all, whose issue is this? Is it a principal mentor issue because it has something to do with a mentor? So, so first, you're you're trying to figure out the domain, and then you figure out who has to peel back the layers and find the principles, um, because it it might be you know the treasurer, right? <laughs> if it's a squabble about money, it might be the treasurer who needs to figure that out. Um, but, you know, ultimately it's usually the chairman or the president or whatever your school calls that person um, who has to kind of, you know, talk things over with their executive board, but then lead the executive board in a decision. Like I can't think of a time when most executive boards are, you know, three people, right. And, and I can't think of a time when when the chairman had one wanted to go one direction and the other two outnumbered or like I can't personally think of a of a time when that happened. No, I think this is super helpful. It's 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 nice to see you know the philosophy, but also you know the the workings how it works you know and and it does work and you know it's nice to see that. Do you think that ultimately struggles? really come down to like character issues within ourselves that we need to work on hmm probably <laughs> i mean right like pride or anger or jealousy you know those are those are yeah those are character problems right but the fact of the matter is we are all human like you know we all have failings and our communities would be better off if we could like learn to be more forgiving, you know? I mean, obviously the person who's, you know, raising the ruckus or whatever has their own work to do and may need professional help. I've had that happen as well, right? Where the, this was not a normal reaction to something. Um, but, but ultimately the, the community has to be committed to the idea that we're all broken, striving, struggling human beings trying to become better, right? And that has to include some mercy and some grace and some forgiveness. Yeah, and it goes yeah. back full circle to what you said about, you know, making your community read, you know, tell to cities. <laughs> you don't make anybody read. <laughs> Invite them. <laughs> Read it, yes. <laughs>
one of the things I love about the Lemmy projects and the communities that I've been a part of that, you know, follow the Lemmy is that we are not just educating the head. It's also the heart. Um, it's it, it's it, it's so integral and it's it's the whole whole person and it's not just the kids it's the parents too i think that's one of the things that makes lemmy so great i had one person um who said who was like talking to me about i think it was a quest class actually uh is it a a college prep class I, you know i'm looking for a college prep class for my kids and i'm like it's not a college prep class. It's a life prep class. It'll get and your kids to college and then beyond. College will seem easy after this. <laughs> it, it does. It does. I've had multiple students come back and tell me that. Like go to, go off to college and then say, oh yeah, that was nothing compared to Quest. I would agree with that 100%. When I got to college and I even went to George with, I was like, you guys are whining about this homework. Like you don't even... <laughs> nope <laughs> yeah if, if you've ever seen we've taken some pictures over the years of of the stacks of books just the books alone let alone all the simulations and activities and discussions and all that I mean this is a big heaping pile stack of books that these kids read you know good quality classics and and they're you know that positive peer pressure environment they do it you know what I mean they I don't know. It's just, it's a magical formula and I'm just grateful every day. My youngest son is in, is just finishing up the first semester of, of quest and reading is never, it hasn't been something that comes easily for him. He was definitely a later reader than my other four boys, but he has these piles of books by his bed and it's like an accomplishment. He, he moves, he moves a book from one pile to the next every time he finishes it yes. and um I just I'm like oh my gosh I mean last year for Christmas he asked for Gulag Archipelago and I'm like what yes he wanted to read this book and I'm like oh my gosh it works wow that's fantastic and for those of you who don't know what that is it's why we uh need to fight against communism 101 yeah. It's also at a university reading level, because yeah. I've read it. <laughs> sure. yeah. it's, it's not an easy read. That's impressive. Yeah, I, I'm just, it's just to me, it was like, yes, that was just validation that even though he, he was not on the state's standard, you know, route of, of what he was supposed to be doing when, he by allowing him to grow through all of these lemmy projects i mean because he actually he was an infant when i was introduced actually no he was in utero <laughs> he was in utero when i was introduced to leadership education and so he's my only kid that has gotten it since birth and um i'm just so grateful that he's to, to see the growth that he's had through the years so. awesome can I tell a little story this just popped into my head um because we, we were talking about how you know 
let me fix this two generations at once, right? So I um I was approached by uh, a headmaster at a leadership education school to teach public speaking. And he, they wanted me to, you know, create a, a curriculum and submit it. And for a variety of reasons, um, economic reasons, they ended up not not hiring me. But the, the interview was fascinating. And so he was talking about, yeah, these Lemmy projects, you know, they're they're really cool. And um, and he was talking about how he could see how any mom, you know, just any random mom could teach Shakespeare and Key of Liberty, you know, that like that made sense to him. But he said, you know, it takes it takes a real liberal arts mentor like you to teach Quest. And I said something about, I, I mean, my answer to him, like, I'll regret it the rest of my life. Um, I said something like, you know, I just mentored a woman who taught it for the first time and she'd never taught any of the other projects and she doesn't have a college degree and blah, blah, blah. And she did, you know, she just had this fantastic experience. So I defended the project, um, but I missed a great opportunity to say, no, I am a liberal arts mentor because I mentored these projects. You know, I went through with my oldest child you know, mentoring up the continuum, right? And and through that got my own education. And and I had a I had a master's degree before I ever heard of Lemmy. Okay. So I was already quote educated, unquote. But it wasn't until I was doing the Lemmy projects that, you know, I became a liberal arts mentor. So what would you say your greatest joy has been with Lemmy? Well, definitely watching the mentors grow. You know, I, I've i had the opportunity to, you know, train somebody at training in the summer, and then they've hired me to, to mentor them through the year. So I've seen up close and per not all of them, obviously. I mean, just I'm talking about, you know, a handful here and there. Um but I've had the opportunity to watch them grow like on a, you know, weekly or bi-weekly basis. And I, there is nothing better. I mean, what we do for the kids is amazing, but what we do for the, for the mentors, you know, for the parents of these kids and the, and the, um, you know, the, the, the mentors finding their mission, the mentors growing in their skills and abilities that, you know, having these experiences of, doing something that they thought was impossible and succeeding. I mean, that is, uh, that brings me a lot of joy and having them come back to training year after year, you know, sometimes they send presents. I mean, it's just something, you know, I love that. You definitely, I know for me, it wasn't until my third time through a training that it's like, ah, it was like the heavens open. It's like, Oh my gosh, I get it now. But going every year and continuing to get that training is so powerful. Yep. And and training the project, right? Like you you yeah. get the training, you think you have your fingernails on it at least, right? And then you go and you train and you actually teach it and and the growth that's happening in you, 
the growth that's happening in your kids. Yeah. You come back, you're a different person. You do that a couple of times and then you're like, ah, I see yeah. what's happening here. I mean, it's just a powerful formula. Yeah. I tell everybody in my trainings that, you know, you think you're coming here to learn how to teach a class and actually it's a, uh, a self-help course. It's you're going to go home and use this, you know, on your husband or your wife and, you know, your kids, but yeah, it's, it's not just teaching a class. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would say that's because all the, all the projects, you know, expose you to the classics, you know, yeah. you can't, you can't read these classics and not be transformed and your family be transformed. Well, we've taken up almost an hour of your time. Is there anything else that you really feel you, you want to share with uh, our Lemmy mentors and parents? Uh, just that I believe in you wholeheartedly. Thank you for doing the hard work. We know that this is not like the easiest thing that's ever been placed on your, on your already full plate. So you know, you're, you're succeeding, you are enough. In fact, you're more than enough. And we're grateful for the opportunity to rub shoulders with you and, and be, and be part of your life. Thank you. So if someone wanted to get a hold of you, do you still do your um, unleashing your voice around um, country or? I haven't done too much of that. Uh, but I, I do come to communities. I do public speaking and debate seminars. And then I also do a seminar called uh, Supercharge Your Mentoring, where I teach you how, not in a project, but just generally speaking, how to be a better mentor in your home and in your classroom, um, how to master the environments of learning, and and basically whatever your community needs. So you can always email me at unleashingyourvoice at gmail.com if you're interested in either of those. And then I also do personal mentoring um, I'm, I'm a writing coach. Yeah. I do a lot of, a lot of various different kinds of mentoring because there's so many, so many needs out there. And if they wanted to do personal mentoring, is that email still the best way? I have a website, unleashingyourvoice.com, but yeah, email is really the best way to reach me unless you're friends with me on Facebook and everybody's allowed to be my friend. Unless, <laughs> unless you're like, you know, scamming and I, I can tell those people the robots yeah awesome we'll put your contact information in the show notes but just thank you so much for coming on here today yes thank you thanks for listening to this episode just as in every lemmy training we hope you walk away uplifted and inspired but also empowered to be a better mentor for your family and your community please be sure to subscribe and share we also want to express our gratitude to all the Lemmy mentors, past and present. You got this. You can do hard things.